This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Hello, and welcome back to the Lost Start of Communication podcast. Today, we are in for a treat. We have a very special guest with us today. His name is Arturo Regosa, and Molly is with him in San Jose right now, and she's going to introduce our guest. So Arturo is a comedian in the Bay Area, and Arturo, correct me if I say anything wrong or if you want to um, add anything, but I was out at a brewery one night, and there was a comedy showcase, I guess, uh-huh. and at the end of the comedy showcase, I saw two people recording a podcast, and Arturo was one of them, yes. so I was walking by, and I was like, are you guys doing a podcast, and they were like, yeah, and they're like, come on in, so I jumped in and said hi, and then left. Um, and shared about our podcast here, and from then we decided that we wanted to shoot an episode together. Um, but Arturo is currently a comedian in the Bay Area. He goes to different bars and breweries and does comedy clubs. Set. Yeah, yep, yeah, comedy clubs. Yeah. Um, and uh-huh. so we are excited to have him on the episode today to talk a little bit about how communication and comedy can intertwine and the logistics of all of that. Sweet. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to share fans. about yourself? Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, we're here for the communication part of it. Uh, I do comedy, um, but I also had been, like, before I did comedy, I was, like, a speech and debate mm-hmm. uh, kid, too. So, like, that, I guess, made tie-in at some point. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm just, uh, I'm, I've always lived over here. I'm from Union City, um, so East Bay, and I've uh, I've always been here. And um, the only time that I'll step out is if I need to do shows or something. If I need to fly out for something, I'll go. But, yeah, I am a pretty much a Bay Area born and raised person. Nice. Do you <laughs> yeah. fly around the country? Like, do you travel a lot for comedy? Yeah, but I try to, instead of doing it frequently, I try to plan them kind of together. So I'll take, like, one to three trips a year, and I'll try to, like, make sure they're booked close. So it's, like, more, like, it's better for me. <laughs> you can't be paying for that many, like, flights, you know. But it's, it's, it's always fun doing that. Like, it's fun getting out. I, the reason, one of the reasons I love doing comedy is the fact that if if it continues to go the way it needs to go, I could possibly you know be making my living going places. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah. 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 So what originally got you into comedy? Um, watching uh, Comedy Central was one of the things that got me into comedy, which is uh, <laughs> very to the point. <laughs> but um, yeah, they they had like a stand up specials that they would do, and uh, when I was in like high school that's when on demand came out you know like tv on demand you didn't have to watch commercials no more it was all we're all bad boys but uh yeah it was comedy central had you can watch them on demand i used to watch all of them and like um from there i just i I enjoyed it but i didn't realize until you know you don't realize there's a path to doing certain things you'll see like the professionals doing things and then you don't know like it's like what is the path to do it you know and you don't like some maybe somebody's a radio personality or maybe somebody like how do they get there you know and then you realize oh there's like open mics and stuff for you to go start so like I started when I was in high school I was 18 uh went to a club called Tommy T's um and that was my first open mic and from there like I've I just uh fell in love with making people laugh and I'm just trying to find the best way to do it but as still being you know me (laughs) so So what was that first of all I didn't get a chance to say before but we're very excited to have you here we need to obviously inject a little more humor into our podcast so maybe you can take to Molly and me a thing or two (laughs) so that's really impressive that you just grew up watching comedy thought you might like Mm -hmm. it and as a high school student 
started your own stand-up. Yeah. What was that first experience like for you? I coach a oh, lot of people on public yeah. speaking, and that's a scary thing. So just mm-hmm. tell us how that felt. Yeah, so I, in high school, when I did, like, speech and debate like that, there's, like, it's like everything else. Um, when I look at public speaking, it's very scary, but it's scary because most of the time you don't really have to do it very often. So you never get used to it, you know, and it's it, it may always be nerve wracking. But when you do it on a consistent basis, you eventually the the anxiety may never leave. But that initial fear, that huge fear wall that we all feel, it, it goes away. You start understanding, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to survive this experience. <laughs> you know, you get through it. You know, you're good. But um, it, so when I did speech and debate, that's where that was where I got my big fear of like, oh, like you had to face the fear of getting in front of people. And then that one, you it was actually kind of harder because you have to sound smart <laughs> when you do like speech and debate, things like that. So you're always worried about sounding intelligent, which is one of the big fears you have. Am I going to sound dumb? <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. a, getting that in before I started doing comedy helped with the fear part. But there was a different fear when I did to do comedy because it was um, you're expected to be funny. And that's a whole mm-hmm. different, you know, that's that's different. That's And you feel I felt that fear of like, oh, what if I'm not? gonna be funny when I go up there what if it's and you worry about like what's gonna happen with that so that was a different layer so I didn't have the initial fear of like oh I gotta talk in front of people because I, I kind of yeah. dealt with it and I kind of went through the trenches already with that but going up knowing that I needed to be funny was a whole different thing that I had to and that one doesn't go away until you you do it so much that you go oh you start to trust where your humor is from you start learning your voice you start learning the timing of like uh actually what how timing will make people laugh and the audience is like start learning that oh I have the ability to make people laugh now so now I can loosen up and then sometimes you develop jokes that you know are going to work so you're actually going into a situation prepared whereas in the beginning you don't know what's going to happen you know you don't know how it's going to go so it's 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 still it was still fearful to answer your question going up there um but in a different way it wasn't it wasn't completely only taken by the public speaking thing you know yeah so did you ever study comedy or like what how did you make it click for you eventually where you learned to trust yourself yeah. Um, I, so yes, I've, I've studied comedy very extensively. Like I still do today. Like I watch people's specials and like when you, when I watch a joke, I watch it from a standpoint of like, why, why was that funny? Like mm-hmm. I want to know on like, cause there's, there's, a, there's two levels of communication when you're making, when you're making comedy happen, you have to communicate a message. That message has to go through somebody's brainstem and like, <laughs> it has to, and it has to trigger something and make them respond where they enjoyed it or have some kind of response. So you, there's, I'd always like wonder like, oh, what made that happen? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like one of the things that I learned watching other people's jokes is uh, it's, it's about how relevant your material is will help a lot. So, for example, if I make a joke about something not a lot of people know, I don't know, like... Um, some super high level math joke not everybody knows that so on only a few people will laugh because they, they just don't some people just don't really know where that's coming from but if i make a joke on like it being really hungry and somebody touches my food and how that makes me feel like everybody's mm-hmm. felt that so i instantly am in a little bit better where i have opportunity where everybody's on the same page as me it's more relevant mm-hmm. so the, knowing if your your material is relevant in what way helps a lot so going up there with things that are really relevant are always a good way to start, I guess, because then you can kind of yeah. build from there. Or like how, you know, a lot of people have dating uh, 
jokes because everybody dates, everybody does with all those different experiences you have dating. So it's like, oh, that's relevant. You know, it's more relevant. Yeah. Do you feel like you have to change that based on the location you perform at? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I, I mean, now where I'm at, I have, uh, I have so much material that I will start with a different joke depending on like what's and then it's weird because you'll you'll see other people perform right and then you'll see what's working and what's going well and there's another thing to comedy where like unless I'm like famous and everyone knows who I am nobody wants to listen to me (laughs) I'm just some like random dude who's going up there with a microphone so you have to earn that laugh you have to earn it it's the it's it's something that you have to come um, a little like you have to come in a different way you know um, mm-hmm. and so if I hear what's working in the room already then I could start with a joke that's maybe in that area and then if I win them over and they're already laughing with me then I can take them to the things that are more like maybe less relevant but yeah. they'll want me to win a little bit more so there's ways that and this is all my head just analyzing it I could be 100% wrong but it's like helped me to like see it that way yeah yeah, it sounds like something we mention on probably every episode of this show, <laughs> yeah. which is perspective taking. It's taking perspective of your listener uh-huh. and yeah. so that you can adjust your communication style to meet their needs. Have you found that since you've been doing comedy, you've been better able to empathize or perspective take when you're in conversations off the stage? Yes. Uh, yes, because you're thinking about yourself and the audience when you're preparing your material. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Not that when I'm like talking to like people regularly day to day, I'm like, oh, this is my audience too. But it does teach you to go, oh, if I say this, what's the response going to be? That's part of the reason why some comics are so quick is because they already have to write in a standpoint where they're writing and knowing what the other person is going to think. And um, so sometimes in talking that happens where like you already know what someone's going to respond to what you said. So they may say something snappy and funny because they're already there. They already know exactly what was going to follow up. So because you're always writing for like two uh, perspectives, I guess, yours and the audience, that perspective stuff, yeah, it, it's it's helped me a lot with my communication like in day to day because like, yeah, I understand where people are coming from more because uh, a lot of people look at comics like they're just – Silly people who tell sex jokes, <laughs> like things like that. But um, and some are, some are. <laughs> I don't want to like you know that's a valid point. But uh, like you definitely, you become. It's not smarter. You just become more educated in the the act of thoughts bouncing back and forth between people. So like that helps me definitely. Like speak like you know I, I feel better when I talk to people. Like I get it. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever, so I'm just thinking of like when you're saying you're on stage and then you go yeah. in and you're listening to the performance before you and yes. you'll edit on site. Yeah. Have you ever had a moment where you were so like, no, I'm doing my set that I had planned. I'm being rigid about it. And like, has yeah. it gone well or gone bad? Like, how does that, has that ever happened? To you? Yeah. There's, there's, there's two reasons why you would, you would go into that. Sometimes you're just like, I, um, Maybe there's somebody in – I've done it where like maybe there's someone in the audience that particularly I need to impress. Maybe it's like a, a, a club mm-hmm. owner. Maybe it's somebody who produces shows and I'm like, you know what? I need to do my stuff <laughs> so that they see what like my, my core things are, whether the audience are going to go with it or not. You know, mm-hmm. So I won't completely cater in that way. But there's other ways where like you'll challenge yourself. Like just like everything else, if you don't do something that you're worried about doing, you're not going to get that extra, you know, like – when you do something that you're not sure about, then you really go like, oh, can I, can I do this? Mm-hmm. It's, like a, it's like, can I pull this off kind of thing? It's like, you know what? Let me start with a joke that has nothing to do with what I think they're going to like. And let's see if I can win a bet. You, like, you, you play with yourself, especially when, you, when you, you do it for so long that 
you, you want an interesting vibe. You know, it's like, kind of like a relationship. You know how they're like, you're like, oh, let's try something different. Let's do something we haven't done. It's like, let's let's try to like do this now. Let's see if we can do that, you know. So yeah, there's there's ways that you'll like try to make it interesting for yourself and spice yeah. it up. It's like you're spicing up your comedy relationship, basically. Have you ever yeah. been on stage and you felt it wasn't going well? Like, how did you adjust? Yeah. My question. I was waiting for that yeah. one. See, that's, that's part of me being a comic. I was like, I know that joke's going to, yeah. I mean, that, that topic's going to show up. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you, you have those moments and um, it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's so weird in comedy because it's, it obviously, people think, oh, that would be terrible. But it's actually even worse than that when you have that experience because you're doing something that has worked before. <laughs> so it's like even worse because if, if it's not going well, you, you would already feel, oh, but if, it if, it, if it's something that you're like, this normally works, I don't know what's going on, then you have that extra feeling of, uh, oh. But there's so many factors that could be contributing to that. And all I, all I tell people is either you just, you just stick to it and keep grinding through it. Because if you, if, you if you allow it to defeat you, then you're never going to get it back most of the time. You know? mm -hmm. But if you stay there, you stay in the moment, you stay in your material or whatever you're trying to do and stay in your rhythm, you can slowly win them back. Because I've done sets where the comic before happened for some reason. Their set didn't go well, so the crowd's on a low. Mm -hmm. And then I got to go in and do a joke that normally really starts well, and it kind of gets some laughs. And then I have to go keep continuing, and you have to keep climbing until, they're, oh, they're with you. They're back into the comedy show again. And you never know why that happens. There's a million reasons. But um, you you literally – it's like it's like you're um, – <laughs> It's like, uh, what is it? I don't know why I can't think of this. I don't know. I thought of, the first thing I thought of, I don't know why, is Titanic when they're holding on to the thing. It's like you got to hold on to that piece oh, of wood, uh -huh. you know, at the end of the movie. Even though mm -hmm. We know what happened to Leo, but <laughs> uh, you, it's like that's, you got to hold Kate on. Winslet. Yes, I'm Kate Winslet. Yes. I'm Josh. So, yeah, th this is going to be an amazing comedy theory now because we brought Titanic in. But you want to be Kate Winslet and hold on to the stuff that, you, <laughs> that you're going to do and don't sink with the feeling of, like, freezing over in the ocean, you know. So it's, uh, yeah. Be a Kate Winslet. <laughs> like, yeah. So I get what you're saying. Like, don't don't let the fear get you down. So obviously don't, like, choke up and freeze and stop what you're doing. But yeah. have you ever changed your content because you feel like, okay, this is not going how yeah. I wanted. Let me just switch gears and see if this works. Oh, exactly. So one thing that happens in comedy is that you have to grow and you have to do new material. Um, and when you do new material, it's like you're starting over as a comedian. Because you don't know how that's going to work. And you can only find out live. You can't do it. You can't practice it at home in front of nobody and like be sure it's going to work. So whenever you do I was, like whenever you do comedy and do new jokes, you're a new comic. Like you've never done those before. You have to work those out. You know, All you have is maybe your rhythm to help you. But that's about it. So um, there's times that I'll be doing material that's maybe on the newer side. And... It's, I haven't worked it out. It doesn't have, it's not as poppy. It's not as fun. And if it's if I feel like I need to switch to stuff that I know is going to work, so I will change to things. I'm like, okay, I got to get back to the joke that I know is going to hit, and then I'll try to come back to stuff later. But I have switched up to that. Or um, one thing that helps me a lot, I did, um, I did improv. Uh, We've both done improv. You did improv too? Yeah, it's really good. That's really good for communication because you have to listen. You know, that's part yeah. of That's like the first rule that they tell you. But um, – yeah, so I did improv, so I'm pretty – I have the ability to get loose and just – if I need to do crowd work, I'll do crowd work because that's always a good way to get the crowd back into it too because you're going directly to them. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and yeah. Can you define what crowd work is for people who don't know? Yeah, so crowd work is when you're 
not doing a just standard joke for them to listen to. You're actually stepping into maybe uh, asking the crowd a question. You're actually going back and forth live. With, it's not just a standard performance. At that point, you're kind of stepping out to try to, to be like, hey, what do you do for work? You're trying to build like rapport directly with maybe an audience member or like whatever. Or like, or like sometimes if it's not going well, I literally will just stop. Like, what do you guys want to talk about? Because clearly, <laughs> I was like, and you just do it in a funny way. And then I'll just talk to them and someone will shout something out and we'll just get on it and have fun. And then I'll try my material later. Like, but that's doing crowd work is like, you don't, that's the thing is you don't know what's going to happen because you, you're sending out a message that's going to be coming back and you don't know what the response is. So it can be nerve wracking in a way. But I've noticed that improv super helped me like with that because like I'm comfortable. I know I can work it out. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a tool that I have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, studying wise, I'm, I should have said this earlier. So I purposely did different art forms for stand up. So um, I did stand up in high school, but then I also started to act. I did improv. I did sketch writing, which is like um, you guys know what sketches, stuff like, like that? SNL, SNL? Yeah. yeah. So it's things that you write and they do them live, but it's like a more of an acting kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but it made for like short, funny comedy. Uh, I did all of those. And then what I did was while I was doing them, I always knew I just, I want to always bring everything back to stand up so that I can just be free and do it on my own. So any tools that I seen that I was like, oh, that, that's going to help. I would cultivate that to bring it back to my stand up. So it's kind of like the, the way I looked at it, like Bruce Lee with martial arts, he believed that you should try everything and keep what works. And a lot of people like from different like disciplines don't even want to touch other disciplines. Mm -hmm. So they don't even, they're just, this is our ultimate one. But uh, Bruce Lee would take anything that worked and that's what, that's what made him better because he wasn't closed-minded about it. So I kind of took that approach to comedy where I did everything because there's people in comedy that think improv silly. Stand-up people think improv silly. Improv people think stand-up. There's all, there's all these little inner like, you know, yeah. things. I just did all of them. I didn't even tell anybody that I did other stuff. I just did them to do them to learn so I could bring it back to, to stand-up. And uh, so it's like, that's really an over, like, freaking, um, I'm not Bruce Lee. But like, <laughs> like, yeah, let me say that for anybody who's like, this dude isn't Bruce Lee. Like, definitely not Bruce Lee. But the but you can, doesn't mean I can't take the, the thought process of that. And it definitely, like, paid dividends yeah. for me and my comedy thing. Yeah, yeah taking different perspectives. Yeah. Go styles and perspectives yeah i could see how that yeah. would make you a more yeah. well-rounded performer because you have all those different backgrounds to draw off of yes yeah and different perspectives of different comedians too like people who yes. write for sketch people who do the improv and i think yeah. i love improv so much trisha and i both have done it and it's yeah. it i think it's helped me in my work and my like personal communication because yeah. you really do have to listen and i've never thought of like stand-up as having to listen to the audience as much as improv but mm -hmm. yeah. you really do have to be playing back and forth with your audience because then you do shift in that moment yes. so yes. that's really cool that you were able to share on that no, for sure <laughs> so i've i obviously like i'm a human and i have moods of yeah. being really excited and then moods of really being like i want to go to bed i don't want to do anything mm -hmm. how do you and your job obviously you, you're a performer you have to perform yes. even if you're not in those like moods to perform and i would argue that you have to be in a mood to perform yeah um so i guess a two-party question would you describe yourself as an extrovert, introvert, or ambivert? No. And then if okay. you, based off that, like, how do you go onto stage when you are not in the mood to? I, I see what you're saying. I think I'm a learned extrovert. Um, mm. I, I used, uh, I used to be someone who kind of like when I was little, like younger, played. Uh, I it was weird. So this is gonna. I've done a bunch of random stuff. And this is gonna come out of left field. But when I was a little boy, I used to dance. 
um, I used to do like dance, like dance, dance, like tap, like jazz and things like that. Cool, yeah. yeah. It's like one of the things I never mentioned. So you guys are getting a special treat here. Because <laughs> it's definitely like, but my sister used to dance and she was like really good. Mm-hmm. So like being the younger brother, uh, you just kind of end up going where she goes. So I, my parents put me on dance and I danced from like three to three to 10. And um, so <laughs> it, it was weird because you're doing something extroverted, but you're like, feel weird about it you don't want to be doing it so it's like being like you're kind of like i kind of learned to be like all right i'm gonna go on stage the best way to handle it i'm gonna go on stage do this thing people are gonna like like it maybe not like it whatever and then i'm gonna be able to get off stage so i like as a, cause as a young kid i think everybody's more of an introvert too like I, like some kids are really really extroverts but being on stage is like different <laughs> you know but uh so i had to learn to to just do it like seven years of doing that that's like that's I, I never think about it, but now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, oh, that's pretty damn. That's a, that's a good amount of time, like, yeah. to put into something like that. Formative so years in your life, yeah, formative years. For yeah, sure. for sure. So, like, um, yeah. So, as I perform now, I'm I'm somebody who likes to like kind of I like to be around people, I like to do all that stuff. But then you have that inside still where you kind of just want to like. Uh, I don't like to impose a lot. I don't want to say that. Like, I don't like to impose myself into like like conversations and things like that very much. Um, I'm just, uh, ah, it's hard. I, I just learned to be an extrovert, I guess, is what it was. Cause I, I, I was, I never, ah, it's going to sound really sad. It's not sad. Like what I was going <laughs> to say was, it's like, I never really got to learn which style I was. I was kind of thrusted out and I kind of just floated in there and I could kind of go with either because being very young before I even processed even really real memories, I was already on stage with lights at, at, at dancing, doing things like yeah. that, I didn't never had a chance to like, you know what I mean? Like I was already in it, you know, if that yeah. makes sense. And then I played sports after that. Never, it never stopped. Like it never stopped, you know? So do you feel like recharged when you are in stage or performing or doing sports? It definitely sets me like to, to, to answer your question. If I'm not feeling about going mm-hmm. up there, it taught me to, you just go get it done. Like, cause there's times like, yeah, I've been going, everybody has bad days or things going wrong in life and all that kind of stuff. And I've had really, you know, everybody's had their tragic times. I've always been performing through them cause I've been doing it like, you know, so regardless, but it's, it's kind of those things that you get ready, you go do it. And while you're doing it, you kind of, you get free for a moment mm-hmm. cause there's these things in life that you do that I don't know if it's cause you love them so much or if it's because they just take up so much mental space to do them you don't get a chance to think about the bad things, you know, mm-hmm. or the other things. You don't get to think yeah. about other things, the you know? So it, yeah, you don't get to think about them. So you kind of do get away in, in it for a moment, you know? Yeah. So um, it goes away. Like whether I could start where I need to go, all right, here we go, get it together. But once I'm on stage and I start going, you, you don't even really have the mental space to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like you don't have the mental capacity, you know, your hard drive's taken up with I'm doing a performance right now. Like, it's, yeah, that kind of thing. Have you ever seen The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Yes, I have. I, have, I want to watch all of them, so I need to get into it. But, yeah, I've watched a few episodes of it. Well, I'm just curious because she uses a lot, if for people who haven't seen the show, it's about a female stand-up rising stand-up comedian. And she uses a lot of material from her personal life where it doesn't sound like she prepares at all. She just gets up and starts talking. Do you ever yeah. do that, or do you mostly go in with a set idea of what jokes you're going to tell? And Yeah, yeah. I um I have... Well, even when people have personal, like, material, it still is, um, 
they could still have it prepared. You know what yeah, I mean? They yeah, still might course. have a joke about their mom or about their mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I have whatever. I have both. So I have some that are just about like me, my dad, or like certain things like that. Um, and then I have some that they don't have to do with me, but they're funny, you know? So like I, I kind of just go, how do you say this? Like some, some people will go, oh, I only tell personal stories or I only like to talk about things. Like, no, whatever I feel is funny enough to bring out, I'll do both. So I have like a, mm-hmm. like a plethora of both of those type of jokes, but yeah. it's, but there is something when you tell about yourself, it makes you more, hmm. it makes you more interesting on stage sometimes when you're talking about yourself because people like to learn about people they're like what is this person oh uh, like what it's it's sometimes being on being interesting on stage is a big deal too because that makes people want to pay attention more because they don't know like oh you're telling me about yourself or you're telling me something personal i would hate to be on stage telling a group of people something personal about myself this is great let me watch you know that's (laughs) that's kind of like there's something there you know well it's i was just talking to a friend the other day about how there are different types of conversationalists there are the people that really enjoy talking about themselves and each other and other people and then people that enjoy talking about facts and history and what's going on in the news and the weather and obviously we all talk about both of those to some extent I definitely err on the side of when I meet someone I find conversations stimulating when stimulating when I'm learning more about other people when Molly and I talk every week it's always about our lives it's rarely about did you see blah 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 happen so it sounds like what you're saying have a good relationship Yeah, but I mean, it's just interesting because it sounds like comedians are the same way. But the reason that you hearing me say that makes you immediately think we have a better relationship is because, in my opinion, there's a lot more vulnerability when you're talking about yourself. And so I think that's probably what makes the audience drawn towards hearing your personal stories because, like, oh, this person is open and vulnerable and he's making jokes about his life. And now we have permission to laugh at him and it feels more relatable versus talking about some objective thing yes that can be funny and it takes a talented comedian to make it funny but the audience probably won't feel as deep of a personal connection so it might not be as uplifting of an experience for them yeah no that that's that's spot on um i i mean so i have a interesting i guess uh perspective it's another one of these like comedy theories that nobody cares about that matter to me (laughs) but like I've heard that I could, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard people tell me I could do more about myself. And the funny thing is when they say that to me, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I know I can. Um, I have like a lot of stuff that I could go into about myself. And I honestly, I even have different levels of things. I have like happy things, even sad things that I want to learn to be fun, like make funny. But my whole thought process was I need to learn to be funny before I even bring myself to the stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To um, some yeah. like deep level because if I'm going to do something that is really personal to me I need to already be a trained like I I already know how to do this you know because I want to do it in the best possible way you know because that'll be my most interesting stuff honestly it'll be the things that people want to tell about because they'll be like oh did you know he and I'm like I so I understand that and so or did you know he had to deal with this when he was like all this stuff like that's going to be interesting and if I can make something that's either um, especially honestly really sad stuff I'm really trying to figure out how to make that funny because I feel like if I could communicate that and get the audience from feeling bad to be like nope stay with me this is a comedy show this is like I need you guys Like, I want to learn how to do that because that's going to be something that you never see so yeah. like I want to be able to do that so I'm trying to like be as funny as possible before I really get super deep into myself I just have certain things I do that is about my life but that's um, that's how 
I guess what I have in the pocket right now, trying to figure out that part of it. So if I ever get approached to do something like on TV or something, like I want to be able to have at least something in there that's like, oh, that was emotional, but I was still laughing, you know, like that kind of a thing. I think sure. it makes total sense what you're saying. A lot of artists yeah. do that. You have to hone your craft first before you're going to give this mm-hmm. big expose of yourself. Most authors, I feel like, who write memoirs, it's usually not their first work. It's not their first yeah, piece of work. Right? Or <laughs> actors, they start yeah. in really maybe simple roles and they don't do their heart and soul performance until later in their career so what you're saying makes total sense you want to start and get good at your craft perfect that before you're like totally exposing yourself yeah and you want to do what you're exposing correctly too like you don't want to mess that up because that's like your true self and being vulnerable is important and hard sometimes so Mm -hmm. for sure that's spot on ladies (laughs) so what tips do you have for people who are listening who just want to be like funnier in their everyday conversation in everyday life yeah Yeah. Um, it's gonna be right down your alley listen like people tell you what they're into and like I remember I told you about the relevancy being Mm -hmm. funny like yeah if you tell me that you like I don't know uh, say Miss Maisel and then I keep telling you Funny things about Big Bang Theory, like, I don't watch that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, those aren't, you know what I mean? So, like, if somebody tells you about stuff that they like and you happen to be, like, it, you can, you can, you know, make, you know, you can, you can talk about things that are relevant to them and they'll enjoy the conversation more and then humor will happen when people are enjoying themselves, you know? Because when people feel more comfortable, they feel more loose and um, they might even joke with you more because they realize that they're a little bit more comfortable, you know? Because everybody has that, uh that experience of like you gotta either meet someone new or you don't know like the quickest way is to just listen to them you hear what they what they like or what they're into and all that kind of stuff and then you if you're talking to that the conversation gets pretty deep pretty fun pretty quickly you know but some people i mean there's different levels but uh and this is an extreme on one side but some people only talk about themselves oh yeah but we've done (laughs) your eyebrows yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) they only talk about themselves even though i'm freaking here talking about myself but like this is the context yeah this is the context which is why i wanted to ask i really wanted that like don't (laughs) but like uh yeah um yeah, so, but if you're a listener and you talk to, like, what the topic is, or at least what they're into, you're, you're, you're letting that person know that, oh, you're actually listening to me, which, sadly, is a rare thing, so people are like, oh, this person's listening, you know, it's like, cool, mm-hmm. awesome, uh, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, it's that kind of a thing, but, um, yeah, so to be funny in your day-to-day, it's, it's, it's good to know that, but it's also good to know timing, <laughs> it's good to know that, um, <laughs> if you and also uh when it's appropriate <laughs> kind of a thing too because some people like me uh, i'm guilty of this like i'll be looser not complete but i'll be looser like at work like um i'm still loose and i'll say stuff that like you'll be in a, a situation like i'll be at work and i'll still make jokes that people go like oh wait am i supposed to laugh right now because the environment they're like worried about work and stuff like yeah dude it's not too bad like um but it's because also i used to do management and stuff like that so i have the luxury of knowing how hard it is to get fired so i know how to like (laughs) i know what ceiling i'm playing with it when other people don't but it's uh it's uh it's good to know your environment where you're at you know people you know when people go out to drink and stuff you're like oh this is how you really are it's like you actually get to see who they really are um because they finally get to be loose and i try to be loose like that like all the time but uh, to help people out, like, be funnier day-to-day, just listen. That's going to help. You guys did you did improv. The scenes are more interesting when you're listening and you're bouncing off exactly what was said. So if somebody's like, hey, man, can you clean the countertops? I'm like, yeah, dude, can you make sure all the fridge and the food isn't 
expired you know you're like you're listening to oh we're in a restaurant or like it's like it's yeah. so when you're talking to somebody it's not a scene but it kind of is you're kind of just you know mm-hmm. you're you're be, be a good scene partner i guess is the thing right i remember you, when you i was in that. improv i'd yeah. always like at first have this idea of like okay when i go up there i'm gonna say this or like okay so the scene is about driving i have this really funny idea about driving yeah. and then it would flop because i would say it at the wrong time because i wasn't paying attention to the actual thing, scene yeah. going on yeah um and so that was really hard but i can see how that connects to like Real life, too, when you're not you, – we talked about this in one episode. I forget which one. But if you have this preconceived idea of something you want to say to someone and you hold it and you're not actually listening to the person so it never comes you're out. You get, yeah, you actually miss all the things. So yeah. that can apply to being a good listener and being funny and communicating with people in general. So. Yeah. No, that's cool. And one yeah, thing definitely. you said yeah. earlier that I just want to remind people of as a, a tip for being funny in your real life, what you said earlier really struck me when you said you learn to trust yourself. I think that's yeah. huge in being honest, open communicators and really being comfortable being ourselves in any situation. You have to trust yourself. And yeah, sometimes you're going to make a joke and no one's going to laugh. That happens to me all the time. It doesn't matter. Like, you gotta <laughs> yeah, learn and know that maybe not in a, I'm not talking about for stand-up, but I'm talking about for everyday conversations. You have to trust yourself. And if you're around people that appreciate you and value you, they're not going to care that you said one joke that wasn't funny. If anything, you exactly, can laugh with yeah. them and then but anyway, I just wanted to to bring no, that back because yeah, I, I really love that that point. <laughs> Trusting yourself is huge. Um, yeah, but um, one thing that will help uh, your comedy, uh, your your I guess your your hilarity level <laughs> in day to day is also comics will have a joke planned if the joke doesn't work. So if um, if something doesn't work and you know why it wasn't working, it's uh it you're able to it, how do you say this. Like, if you say something that's not funny and everybody feels it's not funny, you'd be like, oh, well, that wasn't funny. And it's funny because, like, you're acknowledging the fact that, oh, it didn't work. So, yeah, uh, if you if you run into – that helps me be more secure. But you can do that in your day-to-day. Like, if you say something that's not funny, you everybody will – whatever. if you feel the silence, you're like, oh, I love silence. This is great. <laughs> like, it's like a, if you go, oh, you're, like, you're being playful about it. You're not worried about it. It's, like, loose. It's funny. Like, it's it's a, it's a fun thing to do. But we have, like – it's called – I call it a bailout joke. <laughs> Where, like, if it doesn't work, you're like, oh. It's like if I do a joke about a book. And nobody laughs. I'm like, oh, you guys obviously don't read. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a funny little. I'm ready just in case anything doesn't work. You know? I saw a really funny stand-up where a guy had a notebook out. He's like, okay, I have a whole bunch of jokes. I'm gonna try, and we're gonna see what happens. And if it did, nobody laughed, he's like, all right, next. And like, it was, kind <laughs> it of was funny like, to see him flip through. Yeah, it was uh, good. It, was, it, it kind of took the vulnerability away, but it also like he knew what he was doing about it, so it was. That's cool fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you have to do that with some balance just from an audience's perspective because if I Uh see someone that cops out or tries to use the bailout joke too quickly and then it then it just makes you like well that could have been funny if you didn't give up so fast you know if I see what you're saying oh Oh, gosh guess that wasn't funny it's like no like let it land and then (laughs) that's where the trusting part of yourself comes in because it's in that that two seconds after you say the joke when you're waiting for the response that I would imagine is the most vulnerable and awkward and it's the easiest to have your knee-jerk reaction be like oh I guess that wasn't funny instead of sitting there for a second in silence which is scary but letting the audience absorb it and digest it and and trusting that that will happen if it doesn't then resort to your bailout but I just I don't like watching comedians that make too much self-deprecating humor because it's often it's like just own it like you said your joke just own it oh yeah and you want to then you're starting then you're starting to be more of like you're supportive and like yeah it's making you want to be no no go keep going i understand you bring up like a a really good point because like when it comes to 
timing timing is like everything uh, in comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason is is there is a patience that a really a really good com- a comic has is you have to understand that a, your punchline could come too fast. You could say your you could say your setup. Oh, wait, sorry, I don't know if we need to clarify. The setup is you doing the joke, and the punchline is the more surprise thing that pops up later that makes, you know, normally it's going to get the laugh. If you do the setup, you need to wait for different things to happen that you can't see. You set it, the people need to hear it, they need to process it, they need to see they need to see what side of the what they're on with what you just said and then you mm-hmm. then once they already decided and they kind of try to figure out where you're at then when you drop the punchline it makes it way more effective but there's some people that will say the setup and the punchline too fast and it maybe was funny but the audience didn't even get a chance to process like they didn't mm-hmm. even get a chance to fill it so it's almost one of those things where sometimes it's better to be uh, you can't be too slow. Honestly, yeah, you could. I've never seen it. You know what I mean? You can. You can literally say a setup and wait for everybody to get it, and then punchline. And everybody was already on the, already on the boat with you. I guess mm-hmm. give everyone a chance to get on the boat with you. You know, it's 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 fun, and then you it makes your joke more effective. I guess like um, I have like a visual way of doing that. Like um, I call it like if they get the message, then they'll have. Is I use these word visual things, but. Like, so the way I look at it is when I say my um, setup, the audience, if they processed it, now there's a target over their head for my punchline to hit. The longer I wait, the more targets come up because they're actually understanding where I'm at in the topic. And then I have a chance mm-hmm. to land it. But if I shoot too early, it's not going to hit everybody. So it's like a, a way that I see things while I'm on stage. I'm like, oh, I need to wait. Because that's the weird thing is that silence people are afraid of, but you actually get your biggest laughs when you're able to, oh, I'm going to wait on this. I'm gonna let you guys sit on this. Like yeah. I'm like, and then yeah, then you drop yeah. it. I love it. Awesome. So we typically end each episode with a takeaway for our listeners, something nice. that they can take home yeah. and practice to make them better communicators. Based on your expertise as a comedian, what would you say is one takeaway that people can use, whether related to comedy mm-hmm. or not, just to be a better communication partner? Cool. Um, I guess so. A takeaway for your for your viewers, listeners, uh, listeners. I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is a uh, like it's it's probably going to be something that you talk about a lot. But I I just say the listen more is a, is a better thing. Like listen more and actually talk to what you're hearing. You know, because you're gonna have look at a conversation that you're having with somebody as an opportunity to actually hear what they're either giving you basically a topic that you're not going to, you didn't think of, they give you something to work off of. Uh, mm-hmm. Look at it as a, as a give and take kind of situation, as a give and take situation where if you're having a conversation with somebody, they're going to give you something to work with and take that. Don't feel like you need to go either talk about yourself or talk about something that you're more comfortable with. No, go on someone else's journey, go on someone else's conversation. And what that's going to do is it's going to help you grow a little bit more, but it's also going to allow you to like, they're going to enjoy the conversation more. They're going to talk about, you know, maybe open up more. It's going to be a lot more, more fun. Um, and, um, it's going to sound weird, but don't, don't worry about being funny. Cause the biggest part of being funny is just literally listening mm-hmm. and, and knowing mm-hmm. what people like. I feel like when people try to be too funny, that's when it's awkward and you have to do that awkward laugh. So I think that's a really good suggestion. Yes. Just wait for the moment and don't try too hard. Yes. I'm and be present. You. Yeah, for sure. Being present is the biggest, biggest part of that for sure. And yeah, no, we love that for sure. <laughs>
Yeah, we've all been on those uh, those dates where someone's trying to be funny too much. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Those are interesting. You're like, oh. yep, and you're like, okay, bye. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for being here with us. What are some ways that our audience can follow you? I personally never listened to your stand-up, oh, and I would like to. So, yeah. where can we all find your sweet. comedy, and how can we connect with you if we have questions? Yeah, I am finally getting my social media stuff together, um, hopefully starting a podcast. Uh, I have it all set up now. I have everything I need. I just need to do it now. So um, you can follow me at um, – um, my handle is at Arturo Regoza Jr. Um, that's pretty much on anything uh, but mostly Instagram. Or you can just look up that name on Facebook. That's where you can find me and my shows. Um, and uh, the podcast, when it comes out, it would be I Am Art, basically, is the name of the podcast. And um, look for that, I guess, if any of your listeners want to see that. But the first episode should be coming soon, by the end of the month. <laughs> uh, so it's to be done. But, um, yeah, you can follow me on that. And then uh, it'll be on YouTube, too, but it'll probably be the same name. I try to keep everything around the same name. Very smart. Uh, good thing about having an interesting name a little bit. It helps. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And we'll plug all of that in the um, show notes as well Sweet. and yeah. in our Instagram posts and things like that. So you can always – wait for that to come yeah come out to a show or listen to the podcast when it's going uh yeah if you guys are in the bay area that's where you said mostly mostly yeah Yeah. so yeah you'll see me like maybe san francisco san jose uh traveling it may be into some little city that's out in the middle of nowhere but if you follow me on uh either instagram or you go to my page on facebook i post my stuff up there you'll find it yeah Love to see you out there. Please let me know you uh heard me on the podcast. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. More of it, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much again for coming and yeah. recording for this. It's a great perspective to have, I think, Sweet. and yeah. um, just really good information. So thank you so yeah. much. All right. Great. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.